Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup. Great to be coming to you today from our international headquarters in Loveland, Colorado for uh, Holy Soup. And today we are going to be digging into a life story, a story of faith that uh, has taken some twists and turns that I think will be of particular interest to those who either have had or uh, may be currently involved in a local church and what part the church plays in a in a person's faith life, and maybe what parts uh, provide some obstacles and and some detours for, for people. With us today is Andrea Severson. She's the author of a new book called Altar Girl, and the subtitle of that book is Walking Away from Religion into the Heart of Faith. Andrea, welcome. Thank you, Tom. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit first about you in terms of... Uh, of uh, who you are and your uh, professional background, what you do. Uh, Who is Andrea? Today I make a living helping companies really become what a term in the industry is called a love mark. That is brands that customers can't live without. So really helping companies focus on their customer experience, their marketing, their merchandising, all in creating an experience that customers just can't live without. And when it comes to uh, being a person of faith and a person uh, connected uh, to the church, you're not a you're not a professional uh, church staff person or anything like that. You're a, a person in the pew. That's so true. Yes, I have had some responsibilities in church leadership, but for the most part, I'm a person in the pew or out of the pew some days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're going to dig into that. Uh, tell me first about. Uh, well, let's start with the subtitle to the book, Walking Away from Religion into the Heart of Faith. What do you mean by that? Yes, that is um, a good summary of Alter Girl, and Alter in this case is spelled A-L-T-E-R because I really feel I have been altered. I grew up Catholic when altar girls were really not allowed to be on the altar, and I was a very, very happy Catholic. I grew up with a wonderful Catholic education, was in Catholic uniforms from kindergarten through graduate school, pretty much every color of plaid I've worn. And I loved church and everything about it. I knew nothing else. And then I met a Protestant man, and I didn't even ever date Protestant men, so I never anticipated marrying one. But um, that's that's how Jesus surprised me. And in- with that, I, I got to jump in. I know that your family had... Uh, uh, strong influence on you in terms of uh, who you ought to link up with and uh, who, what kind of men qualify. Yes, my sisters, I'm the oldest of four girls, and we often would joke that, you know, we um, could marry an axe murderer, but he had to be a Catholic axe murderer. So um, that isn't, that's funny, but not far from the truth. We we just grew up with knowing all Catholics. I went to Catholic college and graduate school, and so I never dreamed I would Uh, marry a non-Catholic. So in the meeting of Dean, he started asking me some questions as we looked into our faith journey and wanting to share that as we became married. And I didn't have good answers for some of his questions of why I do certain things. 
And so as a Catholic honors student, I, I was kind of surprised that I didn't have answers. And so it's, we started digging into the Word together and taking this, what I would call a Protestant detour trip, and uh, we're still on it. Um, but in that Protestant detour, I met Jesus as I had never met him in the Catholic Church. And I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot about Jesus. But I met this Jesus in my Protestant detour and found him to be very different and um, now use the title of Jesus as best friend. And that made all the difference in the world in my life. And I wrote Altar Girl because I felt like I missed out on something really, 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 really important. And I didn't want anyone else to miss out on that. So walking away from religion really was the negative way of saying walking into a personal relationship with Jesus. And so that's what the story is all about. Mm. And how did that happen? In a, in a nutshell, this uh, relationship, even friendship mm-hmm. with Jesus, what happened in your life that brought you to that point? Mm-hmm. It was a series of things, and it really, I feel like this whole journey, um, God has become a God of surprises. Things, I, I really thought I had it going on. I, I was a very religious person, and so I thought I knew all about Jesus. He was my Lord and Savior. He was the Redeemer. He had lots of lofty titles, and Catholics are pretty official about some of those things, and very liturgical, and prayed under his cross every Sunday at church, and I did all sorts of things like Stations of the Cross and lots of practices in the Catholic Church that Jesus wasn't new to me. But when I moved to out west to Colorado, I started being surrounded by much more evangelical people, and they would kind of talk about Jesus like he was sitting at the table with us, and they would talk about Jesus as part just in their everyday conversation, like he was just doing life with them. And this was just um, really different for me. And I just started observing that. And then I started having relationships with these folks and getting to know them that they were very sincere about this. They weren't just name dropping, that Jesus was really collaborating, collaborating um, in their lives. They were, Jesus was walking with them. And from some of those those relationships, plus um, doing my own study in the Word with Dean, plus um, having a Reformation church experience, those were all pieces to a puzzle that really made Jesus become much more relational to me. And I really wanted Jesus as best friend. That was a new mm. um, new name for him in my life. And it was a series of things, but um, this was a different different way to experience Jesus than I had had in a traditional religious upbringing. Mm. While this was, was happening in your own spiritual life, I know that uh, you had, at the same time, experiences in and out of various churches that offered you uh, well, a variety of reactions and experiences. Tell us about that. What uh, what you ran into in uh, in the local organized church? Um, just because Jesus becomes your best friend doesn't mean that church life always goes swimmingly. 
Dean and I love the local church. We were part of a local church for 10 plus years, and we were comfortable there. We had friends. We had our pew. We had all sorts of activities, lots of um, good connections with people. We were growing spiritually and deeper in our faith. But we were starting to feel like we were surrounded by everyone um, that we knew were kind of singing from the same songbook. And we were wondering if really what we're called to do is to look outside of the church walls and to serve in ways that brought more people into um, a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so Dean had a good friend who was a pastor, and that pastor was actually feeling a bit stilted and felt like he really wanted to do some of this uh, work in connecting more with seekers, really the, the Great Commission. And so lots of conversations, and long story short, Dean helped this pastor, and we did together as a couple, start a, a church that really targeted, to use some people's terms, seekers, unchurched. I like one of the more recent terms, not yet Christians. And so, or people actually that were Christian but were done with church. So we um, jumped full throttle into this church startup, and gosh, Tom, some of those um, early beginnings were some of the best times of our our church life. It was very exciting to build something from nothing and to create a very um, different church experience. We weren't trying to create another church. In Colorado Springs, there's a different flavor of church on every corner and sometimes four on a corner. Um, So we didn't want to just create another church. We wanted to create something that was very different. And from um, what people may have experienced in the past. And so we did that, and it was exciting. It was like an entrepreneurial startup, and it took off right away, and there were lots of people coming back to church, people that might have been lapsed in their faith or lapsed in their church going, and they um, came back to Forest Ridge because the formula seemed a bit different. It was more about conversations. It was less structured and really a place that people could bring their questions and could um, build deeper relationships with one another as they were grappling with all sorts of spirituality issues. So we had lots of great beginnings, and those beginnings lasted quite a while, and and we were, with others, um, very excited about the trajectory. As time went on, though, and I think this is this is typical in the corporate world. It's um, may be typical in church startups, but that church then morphed into becoming another church. And as I mentioned, Dean and I didn't leave one wonderful local congregation that we were very in deep with to really start an something similar to that. We wanted to do something very different, appeal to people um, that maybe wanted uh, a different experience. So when that started um, becoming more um, predictable and really off mission, it was a bit heartbreaking. So what changed there and what what turned that church plant into, it sounds like uh, a mission outpost, into something that became what, a production? Yeah, there was there was a lot lot of variables there, Tom. But I think the biggest one was really um, getting lulled into the world's ways of success. It was it about numbers, and it was about buildings, and it was about growth, and they 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 stopped focusing on what they did best, which was really um, building relationships and helping people um, bring Jesus into their daily lives, into their workplaces, into their um, homes, into their um, everyday lives. And so they they started 
trying to professionalize it all, shall we say. And we had this wonderful worship director, wonderful worship leader who put together a group of um, people from the congregation that just wanted to play music for Jesus and really use the gifts that God gave them to bring um, joy and worshipful music to the congregation. Well, that was all volunteer. It was all wonderful. And because they wanted to get to the next level as a church, they thought they needed a professional person with a big salary and all sorts of new equipment. And and um, that those kinds of things started happening more and more. And where the people then stopped feeling like their gifts were meaningful and they were part of the community. And um, so, so some decisions like that happened, uh, some financial decisions happened, um, this whole growth kind of a, a world mentality happened. And um, I don't know, I just don't think that's what Jesus um, used as his success criteria, shall we say. You know, I think a lot of churches get into this professionalization of music, of presentation, of worship, of, of outreach with, with the intention of appealing to people, thinking that that's what people want today. That's that's how we are relevant. But I'm hearing you uh, say, particularly as a, as a person who's savvy in things like marketing, that's that's what you do for a living. And you're saying that uh, well, that that wasn't what you're looking for. No, and and let me be um, clear. We, I am the first. I would love things to be professional and well done, a sense of excellence. I I think that's what Jesus would want too. But that's different. A sense of excellence is different than trying to make something really um, slick or in the branding world, I would say a me too, like you're copying someone else. I think we're all called to be exactly who Jesus meant us to be. And that's what being authentic and real is. But when you're just going to do something because this other church does it or because that a bigger church is doing it that way or this is what the church consultant said would be a growth strategy for you, then you lose the organic relationship of that particular body of Christ. And that's what started happening. People didn't feel valued anymore. Um, it, it, it's hard to put into words, but they, it's not even mission creep that happened where they were doing too much. It was really off mission. There was just no need to become another church when we had all these other flavors. Those were out there. What this church was uh, very similar in my mind to the great work you've done with Life Tree, where kind of a coffee shop church where people people could bring questions. It was people could have conversations. There was a a whole different atmosphere and a way of doing church that was attracting people that were sort of done with church. The, the way they remembered it. This was meant to be a whole different model. And when they um, had success with that, instead of building on that and going deeper or broader, they then went and tried to um, kind of put it into the world model of, of church as it was. And then what happened to you in terms of your mm. faith life and your connection to a community of believers? Yeah, so Dean and I were all in with that church, and we were serving in quiet uh leadership roles in some ways behind the scenes. And so when we saw this happening, of course, we took our concerns forward and um, we're pretty much lone rangers on that. A couple other folks um, agreed with us, but not enough to uh, sway the pastor from what we saw was a pretty big mistake. And so um, we, we had to leave. We just felt like we could not support that 
different direction. It wasn't really what we had signed up for or felt like it was what their calling was. It wasn't just because it wasn't, it was just not what they were called to do. So we left and um, that was painful. This was a friendship that Dean had for with, well, we both did with this couple. And um, that was a that was a hard time. And we still are, are good friends with many of the congregation members and friends that we met there because we had lots of lifestyle compatibility. But um, yeah, I don't think people always want the the, the news um, of, or at least our perspective on on how we thought things were going. So it was a, it was a tough it was a tough uh, change. You became what uh, we sometimes now call a done, somebody who was done with the organized church, not done with God, and in fact. Uh, it sounds like your story is uh, pretty typical to what we hear a lot of, of uh, people of deep faith and, and deep connection to Jesus. Uh, you, you weren't leaving God. You were leaving that iteration of his church. Most definitely, Tom. If I never thought I would not not be Catholic, I never thought I would be done with church. So Altar Girl is really the story of kind of those two bookends of, of our journey. But being done with some of the things that just don't seem to make sense in today's world, not sure that's how Jesus would want us spending our time when he, you know, when there's a mandate to love the Lord with all your heart, strength, and mind. Um, I'm not sure the present day model of church is helping us do that, helping us serve others. And so the idea of when churches get so concerned about what's happening in their four walls as opposed to external I think we have a problem. If you had a moment with with church leaders who spend a lot of time within their four walls and uh, planning ministry and and executing ministry, but maybe not fully in tune with people in the pew or people who used to be in the in the pew, what would you tell them? What do they need to know from what it's like in the pew? in terms of uh, what the church needs to be today? That's a big question, Tom, and I certainly um, don't pretend to have all the answers by any means, but having been in lots of different kinds of pews and as someone that is best friends with Jesus, I would um, ask them to think about their walls and what are their walls. It may not just be the, the four physical walls, but what barriers are you putting up that you may not even see in keeping other seekers from having a Jesus experience. So thinking about your walls, what are you erecting? Um, Jesus was so not about walls and not about putting up obstacles for people. So that's one of the things I would ask them. The other thing I would ask them is, how are you helping your congregation members be the church? Not just come to your church, but how are you helping them be the church? How are you helping them take their altars um, out into the world? And um, is it more about that? Uh, isn't that really maybe what we need to be focusing on versus kind of making these comfort zones within our four walls? Those are a couple things I would encourage them to think about. And finally, what, what's happened to your relationships with uh, church leaders as well as uh, church members in these former churches? Have you remained intact? 
Yes, um, which is wonderful because we have two situations where we've left churches, and those um, were painful. Uh, in some ways, they felt like mini divorces. We we had a lot of depth with these communities. We spent a lot of time with these folks. So to leave a common place of worship where we saw them every week and leave that was was painful, and yet our friendships were based on depth and not just a Sunday connection. And so with those folks, we we actually feel like that our church body has grown and is um, scattered, but scattered but deep. And so that's really uh, where we get a lot of our support is connecting with these folks and um, being encouraged by their prayer and their support to go into the world and be the church. But um, we've had a few folks. We confuse some people with our actions, and um, we've had a couple of, um, shall we say, scars um, from leaving these very loving, wonderful communities, and those are still being played out. Well, you are an example and a reminder to me of uh, what the church is. I think so many times, and this is part of the problem today, so many times we view the church as this little building down on First and Main, and we, we say things like, we go to church. And when I hear your story and when I've read your story in your book, Altar Girl, it's a story of, of someone who is the church. Mm. When I think of, of you and your story, you're not someone who has stepped away from the church. You're simply continuing to live out the true meaning of the church, of being one of the community of God and acting out in faith with others uh, his mission. It's really harder to be the church than it is to go to church. And in some ways, I wish we could just go to church and kind of have this nice little weekly check off of our calendar. And that's so not what Jesus called us to be about. Thank you so much, uh, Andrea, for joining us today at uh, Holy Soup. The book is Altar Girl. Andrea Severson is uh, the author. Also appeared uh, in the documentary movie, When God Left the Building. And uh, we appreciate your appearance in that as well. Also, Andrea will be appearing at uh, this year's Future of the Church Summit here in Colorado in October. You can find out more information on that at thefutureofthechurch.com. So I encourage everyone to uh, take a look at the book, Alter Girl, and it's spelled A-L-T-E-R, Alter Girl, Andrea Severson. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom.